Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, it's Greg Pickle. I'm Bob Founders. It's time for another edition of the Blue White Breakdown, Penn Life's Penn State Football Podcast. Mr. Pickle just do- uh, dropped off his golden retriever, Lola, to the groomer. I'm hoping things work out. I think she looks beautiful. I don't know that she needs a lot of work, but she is a little hairy. Hopefully that'll get taken care of. It is shedding season, Greg. So I do feel for you as we head into late April. Otherwise, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Bob. It's actually now the final week of Penn State spring practice. So if you listen to last week's edition, we told you that you and I were told the listeners that thank you. (laughs) By the way, just so we get it out of the way, because we'll probably forget, Bob, you can find the Blue White Breakdown podcast wherever you get your audio, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, find podcasts, find us, leave us a review, like, rate and subscribe. Videos available youtube.com slash all Penn State. When you listened to us last week, we had said that Saturday's practice, which you and I would attend, would be the final one. Yes. Turns out that that wasn't exactly the case. Now, James Franklin in his post-practice interview very much made it sound like this was always the schedule, so I'm not sure what exactly transpired. But at any rate, Penn State practiced. We're recording this on Wednesday. Their penultimate practice of the spring is today. They practice Monday after that Saturday scrimmage. They practice tonight, and then they will host guests of the program, uh, senior members of the University Park community, and uh, media members on Friday night for a practice under the lights to wrap things up. So we're almost there, Bob. We've learned a lot. We finally got to see something, and we'll have one more chance to do that at the end of the week. Penultimate. Don't use big words on me, Greg. I get confused easily at this point in my life, but I, I, I'm glad you explained it. Now I know. Now I have a better feel for it. Yeah, we did kind of think last Saturday. I don't know. I don't ever remember a, a James Franklin spring going quite this late. And I don't know. I don't think we were duped. We probably just they just they didn't really say much other than we just associated. <clears throat> The blue a scrimmage with the end of Penn State spring. Well, yeah, so, we also associated the uh, phrasing of final spring practice in the news release about this. <laughs> for a reason it could have been the final spring practice, but uh, you know things change. Uh, yeah. it, is, it is no problem. You and I certainly aren't going to complain about one more week of getting to no. follow actual football and all that. So that's a plus. I know the listeners feel the same way, and uh, yeah, so. It's okay. No biggie. One more chance to do it, Bob. We're now a few days removed from the spring practice that we watched. And I don't know if you had this on your agenda, so I'm going to hijack it for a second. Good, good, great. Back on it. Is there anything that we missed on our podcast Saturday night that we should kick around now? I have one thing in mind. Does anything come to mind to you? Oh, boy. Uh, You know, I I believe we, we talked a lot about the quarterback play. We talked a lot about Kalen King. We talked a lot. I think we talked about Mike Miranda at center. 
we mentioned Devin Ford and Noah Kane and where they're where they kind of are in the running back rotation. But if you've been thinking long and hard about something, that's always a dangerous concept for me. So I'm just going to let you run with it, man. Go ahead. I feel like, and I'd have to go back and listen to be 100% sure, but I don't feel like we gave enough attention to Kevon Lee. The more I thought about uh, how he ran when he was out there, he looked pretty good on a number of occasions. And I think we kind of glossed over that maybe on Saturday night. So that's one thing to consider. And I just guess I can't help but think that, um, you know, Penn State's running back situation, we know it's very good. I think we feel even better about that now than we did before. And the reason that what made me think of that was if you visit our site, penlive.com slash Penn State football, I did something for Wednesday around lunchtime about James Franklin saying that they really need to get the run game dialed in over these last spring practices because, and it's, it makes sense, it maybe is so obvious that you wouldn't think of it, but you can simulate seven on seven passing stuff, things like that all summer. You can't really simulate blocking and hitting a hole and going in a real pad like environment in the summer. So they're going to focus on that here to end the week. And it makes me think that we might even see more splash plays from the running backs during the 15th practice on Friday. But that was one thing that stood out to me that I thought we could go back to quick before we keep moving on. Greg, you know, what's another way to get that run game dialed in? I could think of two things, put in a fullback, and go under center. Well, now, that's, going under center. That is one thing we we probably could have. I don't know if we referenced it on Saturday, but Penn State did run a little. We did reference it, but they did go yeah. under center, I think, a handful of times. I think you'll see that in the fall, but I was just kidding about the fullback because I don't think there's any any fullbacks on the roster. Um, Greg, well, the scrimmage that's coming up, you're, who knows what we'll see on Friday night. We're going to – We'll talk about that a little bit later in our podcast, but you know and I know the fans are just eager for any recruiting news updates with Penn State football. Uh, it's been, I think, a relatively uh, past uh, – maybe maybe it had to be a relatively quiet the last couple of weeks, but a bit of news that came out this week involving a five-star defensive lineman from the Philadelphia area, Anai White. What can you share with us regarding Anai and how does Penn State maybe fit in his recruiting picture? Yeah, Bob, you nailed it. So this is a guy who, you know, I, I think Rivals has him as a five-star and 247 Sports has him as a four-star. It could be wrong. Maybe I have that inverse. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. He's a top 40 player in the country. He's Pennsylvania's best class of 2022 recruit. He's the top or one of the top two or three defensive ends in this class, 6'5", 230. Just a dominating player who has offers from every big school uh, all over the country, Penn State included. He announced Wednesday morning what his visit schedule is going to look like this summer. So he'll take his five official visits to, or I'm sorry, four of his five official visits to Florida, Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. He also has uh, unofficial visits planned to Clemson, Oregon, Penn State, and Texas A&M. So I think the fact that I think a lot of Penn State fans might have uh, maybe worried a bit when they saw that Penn State wasn't on his official visit list. Well, you're in the uh, unofficial category with Clemson. So I don't think it's as bad as people want to yeah. We want to make it out to be. And look, it is going to be extremely difficult to land an Iowa. It is, it is an uphill as, as uphill as a battle as uphill battles get. I mean, he, we've seen Philadelphia guys 
Some have gone to Penn State. A lot of them have traveled down to the SEC or considered uh, Ohio State. So, you know, Alabama's in the mix here. You're never going to count them out. So uh, I don't – Penn State by no means is a front runner here. In fact, I, I'm sure they're in the top five, top seven. I don't know if they would be in the top three at this point. We'll see. Deion Barnes, the graduate assistant, ex-Lion, ex-Philadelphia area high school coach. Uh, being on the staff doesn't hurt, but yeah, they have some work to do here. Uh, that's what that unofficial visit will be about trying to get back in the picture. I'm assuming his fifth official visit is being saved for the school he commits to before signing day, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's another sign, Bob, just like the fact that camps are back on the schedule, Penn State released the camps that recruiting is going to happen this summer in a way that it hasn't happened in about 14, 15 months. And that's going to be in person. So June, July, when you and I are not off uh, frolicking somewhere, uh, <laughs> some time before the season, be it around here or Chicago or wherever, uh, it's going to be recruiting, 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 because Penn State is going to host guys every mm-hmm. June weekend. Uh, they're yeah. going to host uncommitted guys, committed guys, official visits, unofficial visits, camps, evaluation days. I think they're going to have a chance to do some of that in July as well. So after months and months of Zoom visits and all this other stuff, they're finally going to be able to get guys back on campus, which we know is really important. Speaking of being on campus, one thing when you asked me about recruiting updates before we started that I should have yeah. mentioned but did not, Closet 2022, 2022 Cocalico offensive lineman Ryan Brubaker, who's one of the staff's top targets along the offensive line in this class, he actually took a self-guided tour of University Park on Saturday, while the spring practice was going on, now we're still in a dead period. That's going to end June 1 and allow for those in-person visits to take place, Bob. But he was able to come up, take a self-guided tour. He's allowed to kind of go into any part of campus that a regular student or a regular person could. So, of course, the Beaver Stadium was not an option. The football facility is not an option. But the fact that he got up there prior to his plans for an official visit in early June uh, is another good sign for Penn State. Yeah, real quick, just to put a bow on Anai White and Penn State's recruit, recruitment of him. Tell me if I'm wrong. Penn State, in terms of uh, James Franklin's time, when it comes to five-star defensive players, we're talking about Micah Parsons. We're talking about Brandon Smith, both linebackers. I don't know if uh, Curtis Jacobs actually got the fifth star or he was more of a high four-star. But other than those three guys, I don't know that Penn State's had a five-star uh, defensive signing, and they they definitely have n- do n- have never had a defensive lineman who's a five-star. Is that correct? As far as I can remember, yes, uh, that is true. Obviously, defensive line recruiting in general has been yeah. tough. I mean, in terms of the star rating aspect of it, now they've had guys, Eturgos Matos, obviously, and there's been right. others, go mm-hmm. on to the NFL, but – uh, you know, the star rating aspect of it has been tough. It just really has been. I think Shaka Tony was either a high three-star or low four-star. He'll be drafted too. But, yeah, they have not had great success 
more so at defensive ta- defensive tackle has been a big challenge to get the highest rated guys in. PJ Mustafer is an example, but otherwise it's been more misses and hits. Mm-hmm. And has been a little bit better, but that's a challenge too. You think of Brian Brissy down at Clemson. He's a five-star guy who Penn State spent a lot of time recruiting and did not get. There's been a ton of defensive tackles. We don't have enough time to list all of them. But yeah, for whatever reason, it has been, and it was, you know, Sean Spencer was a great asset of Penn State, a great coach at Penn State, but it's not like he was lighting the world on fire when it comes to reeling these guys in. John Scott Jr. is trying, but he also has, as far as I know, has yet to host a recruit that he's offered on campus. So right, makes it tough. It may not be, you know, I know everyone's dealing with that, but it's a fact of the conversation you have to address. So this continues to be a work in progress. The fact that they're putting guys into the NFL certainly doesn't hurt, but it doesn't seem to be the big help that you might think it'd be. Okay, Greg, let's move it along. Let's get to two personnel notes involving uh, the current team. One one with a current player and now one with a apparently a former player. The former player, it looks like, as of now, is going to be a young corner, uh, Joe, is it Joe Johnson? Joe Johnson, a young yep. corner in the transfer portal. I wanted—I almost called him Joe Jackson. I didn't want to do that. He's a really good singer back in the day. Joe Johnson's in the transfer portal. Uh, and also, uh, I think right after Saturday's uh, scrimmage, which was not the final practice for Penn State in 2021 spring, just making that clear, I believe it was, was none other than Jack Ham uh, assisted James Franklin in putting a – a really good special teams player by the name of Drew Hartley uh, is going to be on scholarship for the 2021 uh, season. Two notes, Greg, is regarding Joe Johnson, was the writing on the wall. Penn State likes their cornerback room. They've already moved Marquise Wilson in the short term to wide out. Um, they, they feel really good about, you know, a couple, a lot of guys coming back. Obviously, Kalen King. Um, the true freshman has made a he, huge Is he impression. looking pretty good? Is he looking pretty good? I don't know if he's hurt. <laughs> Penn State also added South Carolina corner Johnny Dixon. So they're pretty, knock on wood, they're pretty stacked. So so I think some players have had to make some tough decisions. Joe Johnson in the transfer portal, not maybe a big surprise. Hartley, Hartlob, I think it's Hartlob, isn't it? It's yes, not Hartley. Correct. Uh, I, he is a, they, they value him. He's a pretty good coverage gunner. One of the fastest players on the team which item uh interests you more Hartley putting on scholarship or Joe Johnson out the door well I think with Joe Johnson it's just uh kind of an unfortunate situation where he came in with a lot of really talented corners there's a lot of cor- talented corners on the roster yeah now there's a young guy who's impressing everyone to the point where he might pass some of those veteran guys yeah for playing time. So if you're Joe Johnson, you're talking about Keaton Ellis, Joey Porter Jr., Marquise Wilson, Daquan Hardy. All those guys got playing time last year. He did not. Kalen King's on track for playing time. I mean, it's just a numbers game. And the numbers aren't in his favor at Penn State. So for him, you know, I know a lot of people say, and James Franklin's among them, say that, well, the transfer portal is just a way for guys to take the easy way out and not compete. I, he, he could compete here all he wanted. I'm just not sure he was ever going to catch up to that level of guy fast enough to yeah. see the kind of playing time he wants to. So I don't yeah. blame him one bit. It's one of the more talented corner rooms I would assume in the country. I mean, I don't have the data in front of me to, to give you exact examples, but I have to think it's up there. And so, 
you know, he had to make a decision that was best for him. I'm sure as spring practice winds to a close, Bob, he's not going to be the last guy to make that choice, but uh, it, it doesn't surprise me one bit. And then with Drew Hartlob, you know, he went into the transfer portal and looked around, was wondering, I'm sure, if there was somewhere he could go play safety or whatever as a scholarship guy, either didn't have any options or didn't like his options. We don't know. We'll never know, or at least not for some time. But he's an, uh, it, if you're talking about guys to put on scholarship, he makes as much sense as anybody. He's a key special teamer. Pretty sure he plays all four special teams, Bob. We've seen him do a little bit of everything. Thing. And he's a glue guy. I mean, he's one of the guys you like to have in your program. He's not going to maybe wow everyone every time he's on the field, but he's solid. He's reliable. And those are the kind of guys that are uh, when they're walk-ons, you look to give a scholarship to. So not surprised by that. And for him and his family, it had to have been a thrill for Jack Hand to not only come down, but I believe he compared him to a pretty famous former Steeler, if I'm not mistaken. I can't think of who it was at the moment. Was it Joe Green? Do you remember? I'll look. Um, I mean, maybe the greatest Steeler defensive player of all time. That's a pretty high comparison, but maybe it's deserved. I don't know. They play different positions. Joe Green's like 15 times bigger than Drew. But, you know, I would never doubt Jack. How about Jack Ham's long, flowing hair? I know you really like that, yes. I can't wait to see him again. It's been a while. He's a world – he busts chops as good as anyone when we see him on the road. That is some impressive, impressive hair. I can't wait to see him. He looks great, though. He does look great. One of the, one of the great uh, Penn State players of all time, one of the great Pittsburgh Steelers of all time, part of uh, the Penn State radio coverage team along with Steve Jones. Uh, I must listen to those guys are great, but I, uh, I, 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 I mean, I don't think Jack's had a haircut in a while, and that's – I know we're going on uh, off topic. One more thing to get to, uh, Greg, with regard to Penn State corners – They've always, they've always, since the moment James Franklin got here, if you're not playing as a true freshman corner at Penn State, good luck carving out a role because you can just go down the list. And the fact that we never heard Joe Johnson's name once last year just didn't bode well. They play their true freshman corners. They identify them early. They either play them on special teams or they play them as the fourth or fifth corner. And that never happened for Joe. So I think, I think moving forward, when Penn State brings in a scholarship corner and you don't hear about him as a freshman, you might want to start thinking about the transfer portal in year two because they like to play their best ones right away. It just didn't work out for Joe Johnson. Speaking of Penn State defensive backs, let's, let's turn our eyes real quick towards this Friday night scrimmage. Hopefully this is legitimately the last Penn State practice, or else James is messing with us again and they're going to go into June, which I'm not ready for. But um, we're not going to talk anymore about Kalen King because I think I think everyone knows how Penn State feels about him. He, we certainly saw him play well when we saw him in the scrimmage on Saturday. We didn't see a couple things we didn't see. We didn't see Penn State use Joey Porter. We didn't see, uh, we did not, we, I don't think, we saw Keaton Ellis maybe, maybe sparingly. Tariq Castro-Fields only played on a punt uh, coverage play and almost got himself knocked out. We also didn't see Jair Brown, the safety in the secondary. I don't know what's going to change in four or five days, Greg, but is there anything that kind of strikes your fancy 
as far as maybe what Penn State could do in this final practice? Or do you think they're going to scale it back even more because now we're a week closer to the regular season? They know what they have in their veterans. Or is it just going to be really about maybe the first, second, and third-year players that need to make an impression? Yeah, it's a tremendous question, Bob, because we've never seen a 15th Penn State spring practice that's not televised, it's not made for the fans. As I think James Franklin called it, put in a digestible format. That might not be exactly his words, but he did use the word digestible in explaining how that works for TV, and it looks more like a game and all that. Well, let's be honest, what we saw Saturday was billed as more of a practice. It was more of a game. I wouldn't be shocked, Bob, if this was more of a practice and not as much of a game. That wouldn't shock me even a little bit because it's our last chance to really, you know, I'm sure James Franklin and every position coach, every coordinator has a list of things that they want to hammer home one last time. So I could see this being more about the younger guys. Absolutely. I could also see it being more about the fundamentals and not, not just a, about a two hour scrimmage slash situational uh, drill type of deal. I, I could see it being more, um, you know, more about the actual practice stuff yep. you tend to see. So, no, there's not really anything that it super stands out to me. Um, will be good to see Sean Clifford and the quarterbacks again. Obviously, that gives us a second opportunity to see where things are. Because, again, even though we all – I mean, we've all said our piece about what Sean Clifford looked like on Saturday, some good moments, some not great ones, some ones that reminded you of last year. It was just one out of 12 practices to that point. So I will be curious to see with a second look what he can do yeah. and where things are. So we'll see. But, yeah, obviously I think we're going to see mostly younger guys on third Friday night. Yeah, I would actually be surprised if Sean Clifford played a lot. If this is the final practice, he might just get a series like they usually do. That expl- that the fact that it was only their 12th practice, it makes a lot of a lot more sense why he played so much because they still had a week of practice left. I think they have to make a decision on whether they like their number two quarterback. And I think if I'm Penn State. I think I think you, you give Taquan Roberson a real long look. You give uh, Christian Veiu a little bit of a look, but I, I don't know that what one, I don't know what one more scrimmage is really going to do. I think for Sean Clifford at this point, he could still make some progress, you know, over the summer with some uh, some guidance. I think from Mike Yersich, but I think I would go the other way, and I would almost let those two players just throw the ball around because I just, it, we talked about it when we, 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 after the scrimmage on Saturday, I don't know how Mike Yersich and, and James Franklin came out of that Saturday scrimmage feeling great about their number two quarterback. And it's not Christian Veyu's fault because he's a January enrollee, but <clears throat> excuse me, I think in year three, which Roberson is, even though he hasn't have any game experience, you want to see a little bit more from him. That interception he threw to Kalen King backing up on that, that, that just did not look good. I, I, that, it's, it, I, it gives me a little bit of pause. I, I'll give him another long look because I think that if he, he doesn't make some strides, Greg, you gotta, you, you're, you're looking at the transfer portal real hard, man. That's what I think you're doing. Uh, yeah, Bob, I don't think there's any way around it. But, again, the problem is – is that the portal's not guaranteed to give you something that you want. And that's the issue. But even if they can't find someone that they feel like is 100% a lock to even compete with Sean Clifford, they have to bring somebody in. I just don't – 
I know that there's there's probably some quarterback situations that are challenging across the country, but to have three scholarship guys, two of which haven't played in a game yet at the college yeah. level, one of which hasn't played a game at any level in two years, I just don't know how you can go into a season with a quarterback room like that. We saw Micah Bowens, who left Penn State to go to Oklahoma, pretty much for that same reason. I think they were down to maybe two scholarship quarterbacks. So, yeah. I mean – no one expects Michael Bones to compete with Spencer Rattler for that job, of course, but it gives you another college level arm in your room to either run the scout team, to be a backup, to do signaling stuff, whatever. Uh, you just need some bodies there. I know that every time that the conversation comes about, they mentioned Mason Stahl, the walk on, and he'll obviously yeah. do some stuff kind of like what Michael Schuster used to do. <laughs> he but, knew you were going to do that. Yep. Yes. But, you know, I think you need another scholarship arm. We'll see what they can do. Even yeah. if it's not someone who they're 100% certain can compete for a starting job, they need a body at this point. I agree. All right. I think that's going to wrap it for this spring edition of the. Uh, Blue White Breakdown. He is Greg Pickle. I'm Bob Flounders. We cover Penn State football, we think, as well as anyone. Greg, tell the listeners and the viewers what they can do to right. evaluate us and tell us what we can do even better. You got it, Bob. The uh, Penn Live Penn State Blue White Breakdown, a daily podcast with Dustin Hawkinsmith, extended editions bi weekly or at least once a week. You, me, and Dave Jones. Uh, you can find him anywhere you find your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, you name it, we're there. And for the video version, youtube.com slash all Penn State.